Welcome to Whitechapel Church Online. You're currently listening to preaching from our Sunday services. We believe that when the preaching happens, that collectively we're hearing the Word of God, and that God's Word has the power to change who we are. We also believe that God can meet you right where you're at, and that He has a Word specifically for you. We hope that you enjoy today's sermon, and we would love to have you at an in-person service. Head over to whitechapelchurch.com to get more info. Enjoy the sermon, and be blessed. Over the past uh, four weeks, uh, we have, uh, Pastor Michael has been leading us through a series called Spiritual DNA. And as he's spoken to that, and of course last week he talked about how we are to love. You know, love is part of the DNA that we have through a God who first loved us. And because he first loved us, we then can love others. And as I began thinking about uh, what I would speak on today, actually Michael asked me to speak on, he said, would you speak on Emmanuel, God with us? And of course my first thought was, it's not Christmas, right? Because we always talk about God with us, Emmanuel. And as I begin to think about that, it's like, that is part of our DNA. It's who we are. In fact, in Genesis, you'll see a scripture uh, in Genesis 1.27, it says, So God created mankind in his own image. Now, you just have to stop in that text right there. That one part of a sentence should rock your world. God created you in his likeness, in his image. There's no denying, oftentimes, um, we begin to look like our parents, right? Characteristics. There's a, there's a commercial out right now. It's talking about don't be like your parents. It's, it's really funny because I find like I'm like my parents. And my kids laugh and I think, yeah, it's coming. You know, you'll, you'll start doing this too. You know, so we, we have this, this DNA. And the more that we begin on a spiritual sense to know our father, the more like him we become. We were created in his image. In the image of God, he created you and I. Male and female, he created us. You carry in you a spiritual DNA, the spiritual soul of God himself. His likeness, his spirit can dwell with our spirit. It's been almost a little over a year actually my sister came over from the West Coast with her family, and we were having a celebration uh, for my dad's birthday. And, and uh, as we were, we had a fire. It was cold, and, and we built a little fire and just enjoying, you know, not being 9,500 degrees and a little coolness. And, and my sister said, hey, you guys should join Ancestry.com. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with Ancestry.com, but it's a, a, a website, it's a company, and you send them your DNA. And if they get your DNA, then they begin building your family tree off of your DNA. And she had done it, along with uh, some of her other family members. And, and so um, Julie, like she, when she's watching Shark Tank, she'll buy. I, I, we can't watch Shark Tank because she gets on there and she starts buying stuff. You know, immediately she buys, buys us this Ancestry.com, and, and so they're going to send us the, the little DNA tests and all that stuff. And, but then my sister continues talking about that. She goes, something very interesting came up. She said, we have a cousin that we don't know about. 
And my sister's actually in town this, uh, this weekend at some events, and I saw her yesterday, and I said, hey, I'm going to talk about that. And she says, you're going to tell our, 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 you know, our pool skeletons out of our closet? It's like, can we be real? Can we? Don't we all have? You know? So come to find out my, my uncle, who's passed, had had a child that not even he knew about. And she was processing because this individual had contacted her because it said that we were first contacted my sister. It said that we were first cousins. And my sister was confused by that, and so she answered her and said, I don't know. She asked her some questions, and none of them lined up with our family history, and, and it was very confusing. Yet the DNA said we were cousins. And then as they talked more, she began to figure it out. And so she contacted our cousins of my uncle, who had had three daughters. And she brought them together. Now, you need to know that this cousin, whom I've never met, was trying to find her earthly father for medical purposes, for the medical history. And that's how it all started. After they connected on Facebook. <laughs> so, you know, social media does have its good parts, right? They connected, they set up a meeting. In fact, my father went about a year ago. They met with my three cousins who were half-sisters to their new sister. And as much as that blew my mind, I can't even imagine how it, it must have impacted their world. And so they have begun having a relationship. And as I begin thinking about this real-life event that our family has experienced all the downsides to it, all that stuff. Listen, it's, it's real life. It's, it's crazy stuff sometimes. But, but here's the, the reality of it was, is she did not get to experience that which God had for her in a perfect world, right? Her birth father was someone she never met. And so she asked a lot of questions, wanting to know all of these things, because she did not get to experience that. Now, a wonderful part of the story is she had a wonderful life and has a wonderful life and had a, has a wonderful earthly father who filled in for her birth father. And as I begin to think about our DNA, how true it is that so many times we miss out on what our heavenly father has for us because we're not dwelling with him. Now, he's available, and I promise you that Pastor Jordan and I did not talk this morning as he was sharing those things. I'm like, my goodness, he's preaching my message. He's preparing us for those things that I want to share. I just love how, how those things come together. And, and so as we would think about that, our, our God is always there. Our God is always chasing us. And so here's the question I would ask as we kind of get into some of the, the text this morning. How well do you know your heavenly father. My cousin, whom I've never met, is learning about a father that she'll never get to know. We know of our heavenly father, but how well do we know him? How much of, of his likeness are we beginning to enjoy and, and to take on as part of who we are. And we all know this. We all know that, that uh, while we have a spiritual DNA with God, we also have sin, right? 
And the scripture tells us that sin does what? Separates us. Sin separates us from God. And so when we have sin in our life, we don't necessarily want to run and be in the presence of God. When I knew I was in trouble and the words had been declared from my mother, wait till your father gets home, it was not a moment that I was excited about. And so this, this sin, when we have these, these things in our life that we, we have not taken before the Father, because he's a loving and gracious Father who always forgives us, when we allow the sin to dwell in our life, then that begins to separate us from him, and we don't experience all that he has for us. And it really doesn't matter this morning where you're at. You, you may have been uh, following Christ your whole life, or, or this may be a Sunday where, where you're here and, and, and you're inquisitive. It doesn't matter. We all can get closer to our Heavenly Father regardless of where we're at because we never arrive. We never arrive until we actually arrive in his presence on the other side of this world. It says in Colossians 1.21, You who were once far away from God... You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. So, so we understand that our nature, human nature, is, contrast, is in contrast to God's nature. And so that's the world we live in. That's, if you would, the battle that we fight. It's chasing after God in the same way that God chases after us. And not allowing those things in our life to separate us from him. I love our mission statement because I think it's so relevant to who we are. Discovering Jesus. And as we talk about discovering Jesus, and we think about that this morning, and we understand what that is, is that we never completely understand him. The question, are you living with the Father, becomes even greater. What does that look like? Do you discover him for a few minutes on Sunday morning? Or do you share your life with him? We have the choice. This cousin I never met was robbed of that experience of knowing her birth father. There was nothing that she could do. It was out of her control. Yet we have within our hands the very ability to live in harmony and in the house of God that he has created for us. Not this building but in our physical, we can have ongoing fellowship with God. Now, I know I may be, may be stating the obvious this morning, but I don't think that oftentimes we wait, give it the weight it should. You were created in his likeness, in his image. His DNA, his spiritual DNA, your soul longs to find what he has for you. That's why people talk about there's just this emptiness in me. That's because there's only one thing that can fill that emptiness, and that's God with you, God's Spirit, Emmanuel, God with us. And so as we push into discovering Jesus and, and answering the question, how are we living with the Father? And then we move into, as Pastor Michael talked about last week, sharing his love by, by just being God's instrument by by sharing the love but here's the thing that that is, is so important you have to understand this morning you can't share what you haven't experienced you can't share what you don't know you can't share what you don't have my cousin can't share from from the experience because she didn't get that experience if we don't experience and discover god ongoing in our lives then what do we have to share 
because pretty quickly we empty out of what we have. Whatever goodness you may have, and you may be just a super fantastic goodness person, okay? Not good English, but you may be that person. Eventually, that super fantastic goodness in you is going to kind of run low. But in our walk with God and, and discovering more and more of him gives us the ability to share his love with our neighbor, which is everybody. I want to kind of use a scripture today. I've never, I've never taught on this scripture. Never found it relevant, I guess, although the relevancy this morning is great. It's the Ark of the Covenant. And first thing that went through a lot of your minds was Indiana Jones, right? And Raiders of the Lost Ark. Isn't it, isn't it kind of funny how, how we relate to certain things? And when you would say the Ten Commandments, you know, you think of, of um, I don't remember his name, but that dude who played, you know, Moses. What was it? Yeah, that guy. You know, so, so, so Hollywood and, and the world dictates to us what these things are. Well, contrary to the movie Raiders of the Lost Ark, it's not an ark just full of all these treasures and riches. And so if you were to study the ark of, of uh, the covenant of God, the, the ark of God as it's often referred to in the scripture, you will find that it is made of gold. And all of these things have meaning. And I'm not going to go into a deep teaching on that this morning. What I want to talk about is what's inside of the ark, just real quick. What's inside of the ark, there's three things inside the ark. One, manna. Now, first of all, there's suspicion that the ark still exists and it's in a church in Ethiopia. I don't know if that's true or not. But the ark contained manna. You remember the story of, of the Israelites, right? Forty years in the desert, nothing to eat. God provided manna for them. He fed them daily. He didn't give them all that they wanted. He gave them what they needed, and that's something we need to remember, right? Because I think on Saturday night, it would have been cool if the Lord had dropped down some filet mignon, you know, you get tired of the same diet. And, and of course, if you read the story, the Israelites didn't. They complained, and God gave them dove. And then he sent a plague and made them all sick. So they would know. They would know that his provision is perfect. God's provision. And so when you would open and, and, and understand the, the, the contents of the ark, the first is God's provision in our life. God's provision is represented in the ark in that he provided the manna. For his people. One of the more enjoyable stories I like to tell on myself is, is um, we were going to a Miami Heat game. I probably have shared it, but I'm going to share it again, so humor me. We went to a Miami Heat game, and the kids were, I don't know, they were 5, 8, 11, something like that. And, and we were going to treat them. Now, treating in those days was McDonald's, okay? Because we were on a budget. And... Um, I went in to get the order because trying to order for three kids and me and Julie in a drive-thru would be impossible. So I went in to get the order. And as I took their orders in the car, I simply made the, 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 um, asked the question, what do you want to drink? Which was a foregone conclusion when we went out to eat. You get water because water's free, right? And, and sometimes I've been told I'm cheap. I say, no, I'm not cheap. I'm a good steward. And there's a difference. And the difference is you don't spend what you don't have, and things were pretty lean in those days. And so on this particular occasion, it's an outing. What do you guys want to drink? 
And their eyes got real big. While I was away, Julie said, I think it was Brandon, our, our middle child, he said, ooh, mommy, daddy must be in a good mood today. He's letting us have Coke. <laughs> you know, so, 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 but God provides our needs. But oftentimes, we want more, and God's a God that, that blesses us more. But we see in the, in the ark the provision of the manna. Another thing that we see in the ark is, is this, this, the rod that Aaron carried. So the, this rod, which, again, part of the history of the Israelites, Aaron's rod, which he would give to Moses, contained the power of God. And so whenever that rod was used, it always displayed the power of God. It would turn to the snake. He waved it, and locusts filled the land, and frogs came out of the pond. You can go read the whole story of the power that the rod represented because the power of God in this staff that was represented. And when they crossed the Red Sea, God told Moses to take the rod and wave it over the sea, and the sea parted. You see, the power of God is represented in the ark of God. And so you have the manna, and you have the rod. And then also placed within that ark were the Ten Commandments, the tablets, which simply represented this, the guidance of God and the promise of God. Think about God's word. Think about the fact that God's word guides us and directs us. It, it keeps us from trouble if we follow it. And so the Ten Commandments, as they were given to Moses, were placed within this ark. And the promise of that is this, is, is the, the light of God, the guidance is, is the word is a lamp for my feet. It's a light for my path. The Bible isn't a bunch of rules and regulations to make you miserable. <laughs> the Bible is a light to your path. It's the light to show you the way to live. But when you don't dwell in the house of the Lord, you miss out on those things that God has for you. If you don't know the instructions or the, or the word, you, you just don't know what all that means. you got to know the instructions. I'm wearing a boot. I really don't like wearing a boot. I didn't really want to talk about the boot, but... Just so you know, I'm wearing a boot. I don't have to answer any questions. I have a little problem going on there. It'll get fixed. When I got the boot a couple of weeks ago, I put it on. And it's not that hard. I figured it out. Except I'm using it, and it's not working very well. Well, this thing's useless. And then I was walking around, and I saw what I thought was a tag in, in the boot there. And I thought, oh, I need to cut that tag off. I pulled the tag, and the tag was actually instructions for how to use the boot. And so I found out it has this little ball and it pumps air in there, which compresses and then it works, right? Without doing that, you're just wearing a boot with no, no um, compression. And I, I think oftentimes we, we, we carry some knowledge of the Word of God, but we really aren't applying it correctly. We're not walking in it right. And so in the Ark of the Covenant, it represents all of who God is in our life. All right, so stay with me. God with us in the Old Testament was represented through the Ark of the Covenant. And so long as the Ark of the Covenant was around, things were good. Well, if you know the history, the, the Israelites are attacked, the Ark is stolen. And then long down through there, the Ark goes back and forth, different places, different things. But in Samuel, we will see David, now King David. Remember David, the little boy who slew the giant? He's now the king of Israel. He conquered and, and brought Jerusalem back into the kingdom. In fact, he renamed it king, uh, um, uh, the city of David. And he says, we need to go get the ark. 
You see, what David recognizes is he wanted to be in the presence of God, and, and David himself was described in the Scripture as a man after God's own heart, yet he was a man who failed miserably, right? A murderer, an adulteress. Yet he found God's grace, God's forgiveness. So if there's any hope for David, there's all kinds of hope for us. Amen. And so, so we see David, he says, I, I want to bring the ark back. And we see in 2 Samuel chapter 6, he says, Dave again brought together all the able young men of Israel. 30,000. Now that's a big party to go get something, right? 30,000 men. And he went to Bala and Judah to bring up from there the ark of the God. He went to go get to this ark. And as they went and got this ark, if you know the story, they're bringing the ark back. Now there was a few rules around the ark because the ark represented the very essence and presence of God. It was a very holy thing. If anyone touched the ark, they would die. And so in the ark itself, there were, there were a couple of rods, and, and I'll go back to that picture in there, and you'll see these rods that, that they would hold onto to carry the ark, because if you dare touch this ark, you would die. And so there was an ox pulling the wagon that had the, the ark on it, and the ox stumbled, and one of the guys grabbed it to stabilize it and fell over dead. That scripture always troubled me. It troubled David. After that happened, David, in, in verse 8, became angry because Uzzah had died. A very noble act. But here's the thing that we have to understand, is that God is God. His word is his word. And whether or not we think it's right or not really doesn't matter. And by the way, God didn't need this guy's help no more than he needs our help. God is in control. And sometimes we think that we need to help God out. And usually if it's me, I usually mess it up. Right? And, and so here we see this guy dies and, and, and David's angry. He, he's angry. He's doing an amazing thing. He wants to bring the ark and the presence of God that surrounds that ark. He wants to bring it into the city where it belongs with God's people. David became so angry. And he also was afraid. He said, how can the ark of the Lord ever come to me? And the scripture tells us he was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be with him in the city of David. Instead, he dropped it off at the neighbors. David was angry. David was afraid. David was confused. David was hurt. Life does that to us. Have you ever been angry with God? Have you ever lived in fear of God? Have you ever been disappointed with God? I have. But we have to work through that. We have to understand and, and come to the place of know, knowing, but he's a heavenly father who loves me. So, so why would these things happen if God loves me? Well, it's the thing called sin that came into the world, kind of messed it all up. And then when we allow our human nature to rule over our spiritual DNA nature it gets us in trouble. 
And so here we see this set of circumstances where, where David wants to discover God more. He wants to live in the presence of God. That is represented in the ark. You see, they didn't have Jesus yet. They didn't have the Holy Spirit yet. This is what they had. They had prophets, and, and they had this ark. And this interesting thing happened. The house of Obed-Edom, where David dropped off the ark, it stayed there for three months. And listen to what the scripture says. I love this. This is so good. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gideite, for three months. And the, and the Lord blessed his house and everybody around him. Sometimes our, our anger and our disappointment and our frustrations and our fears, we move away from God and we move away from the blessing of that. And that's what David had done. And then in verse 8, I'm sorry, in, in uh, verse 12, now King David was told, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed, Edom, and everything he has because of the ark of God. And David said, well, gee whiz, get a, you know, this fear stuff and, and, and this anger stuff, I've had a few weeks to, to deal with my emotions. Let's go get the ark. <laughs> I want the blessing of God. I want the presence of God. And David went up and brought the ark out of that household, and he brought it into the city where it belonged. So what does that mean for us? It means that oftentimes that we miss out because we have moved, not God. We've dropped the blessing off somewhere else. We've left the blessing. We've left the presence of God, and it's not just physical blessing. It's the fruit of the Spirit. There's joy, and there's love, there's peace, there's, there's longstanding. There's all of these amazing gifts of God that when we live and discover Him deeply, we begin to experience in our life. And so, move forward, fast forward, to Emmanuel, God with us. Our scripture from the, from the Christmas text, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. We don't have to have the ark. We have God himself who wants to walk with you. Here's the thing I love about God is God chases after his people. He chases after all of us. When we drift away, he chases after us. It started early, very early in, in the Garden of Eden. Remember the Garden of Eden? Adam and Eve, they ate of the forbidden fruit. And immediately their eyes were open, the scripture says, and they saw their nakedness, and so they hid. They, they covered themselves with palms and trees or whatever they could figure out for clothing. And God came chasing. It's somewhat humorous when you read the scripture and can really put yourself there. And so here's God himself, God all-knowing, omnipotent, omnipresent. God knows all of these things. He knows what's taking place. And he, as was their custom, their, their routine, God would come and meet with Adam and Eve in the evening, and they would stroll through the garden. Now think of that's, that's, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. 
And so God comes and, and he's, he's going to spend time with Adam and Eve and stroll through the garden and, and look at the creation and spend time with, with those whom he loved. And he couldn't find them. Adam, Eve, where are you? Well, they were hiding. You ever play hide and seek with your kids and you can see them in plain daylight, but you act like you can't see them? It's kind of what God's doing in this moment. Why are you hiding? You see, God always chases us because he loves us. Emmanuel, God with us, is, is all about a God who wants to be with his people just like he wanted to be with Adam and Eve. So as we kind of come to a point this morning, if God is with us, we have to ask our question, where are we? Where are we dwelling? We live in this world. There's no denying that. And it's a difficult world to live in. These aren't easy days that we're experiencing. But there's a God who will walk with us and will help us and will, will give us all that we need. But we have to dwell with him. In James 4.8, the scripture says, Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Come near to God. We can't touch the ark with an unpure heart any more than Uzziah could, could touch the ark of the covenant and not experience death. We, we should never come before the holy of God's, our creator, the one that we're made in his likeness, with sin and, and, and uh, a hard heart. But we should always come before God in a humbleness, recognizing that we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us has failed him. We all have skeletons. Sometimes it's easier to share your uncle's skeletons than it is your own, but we all have them. All God's asking for us to do is to come before him, to walk with him. So there are times in our life when we're walking with God and this stuff happens and we fall short or we just get busy and, and things are hard and the circumstances are overwhelming our hearts and souls and we begin to drift away from the house of God, of dwelling with the heavenly father, and he comes He's there. And the scripture says, come near to him. And what is the second thing it says? And he will come near to you. God will never turn you away. He will never deny any of us when we come to him with a heart of humbleness and a heart of confession and a heart of wanting to know our Heavenly Father even more. The interesting part of that is the verse right before that says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So there's this two, two things going on. As we submit to God, we resist the devil. And guess what happens when God comes, when we go to God, go, come near to God, and, and God comes near to us, guess who has to leave? So, so if you're, you're being attacked by the enemy, and you are, you draw near to God, and guess, guess who has to exit? The enemy. 
And then it says, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. I believe that one of the things that God is crying out to America is humble yourself. Confess your sin. And he will lift America up if we were able to do that. But you know, we have to do that in our own life. For we all have sinned, we all have fallen short of the glory of God. So I ask you this morning, how are you doing with that question? Living with the Father. Come near to God and he will come near to you. It's been a tough week. Last Sunday, Marty and Esther, who are part of our congregation here, are not here this morning. Her father died of COVID. We've known Marty and Esther from our days in West Palm Beach and difficult time. Greg Rowe, who's in our kids' ministry this morning, lost his mother Friday. Oh, man, all this stuff. Yesterday, a, a, a long-standing uh, part of our church family, Terry Stark, died of COVID. And I look at all these things, and it's, it's heartbreaking, and it's hard. And the only way that can really walk through this world and this life is with the hope of our Heavenly Father living deeply in our hearts. Amen. Here's the call that the Lord has this morning to every one of us. Come near to me. Come nearer. I'm asked Jordan and the team if they'd come. And as they're coming, you'll see on each side of the church, there's a cross and there's a table on each side and there's little sticky notes. If you have a burden that you're carrying this morning, we invite you just to come and write it on the sticky note and put it on the cross. And, and, and what that demonstrates is we're giving it to God. First Peter 5, 7, cast your cares upon me because I care for you. Oftentimes we carry more than we're supposed to carry, and God's saying, give that to me. And there's just something about the act, the physical act of walking down, writing it down, and putting it on a cross that really demonstrates an act of casting it and giving it to him. You may have someone that you've been praying for or someone that's close to you who's going through difficult time, it may be an illness, it may be financial, it may be relationship. You yourself may be experiencing that today. Whatever it is this morning, we just want to take some time to come near to God. And you will not be disappointed as you will discover that he will quickly come near to you. Father, we thank you today that we can come to you in spite of our unworthiness, we can come before you because you see us through your son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life for us, whose blood has covered our sin and restored us into a relationship with you. And Father, this morning we all have been called to grow closer come near to you.
So Lord, I just pray you would be with each one in this place today, regardless of where they are. That Lord, that whatever obstacle is between them and you, that Lord, you would help them overcome that. Move that obstacle out of the way so they can come to you. Father, may we remove those things by bringing them to you as we have. And so, Father, every one of these notes that have been written on this morning and placed upon these crosses, Lord, they represent really hard stuff in our life. They represent deep cares and emotions and burdens are represented in every one of them that you're aware of. And Lord, we pray right now that your, your spirit would just speak to every one of these needs draw nearer to us as we have taken that step towards you. May you be glorified. May you be exalted. And so, Lord, these things that we have written down and placed on these crosses, and for those who have made a note in their own heart and lifted it up to you, Lord, as we would walk out of these doors today, may we walk with you and not carry the burden of these needs, but simply continue to give them to you, knowing, Lord, that you care for us. So, Father, we pray your blessings, that we would carry you in our hearts and the blessings of that, that we would discover you more this week, each day, that would carry us throughout each day and into another day and into another day after that as we discover you more we share that which we've discovered the overflow of your love and your blessing in our life flowing into others around us so that they too may be pointed to you may you be glorified may you be exalted in all that we do and all God's people said Amen. Amen. God bless you. It's so good to see you today. Have a great week, and we'll see you next week.